Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Cineposium Podcast. My name is Alex Apicella. And I'm Martin Ibarra-Ramos. Every week, we invite another member or collaborator of Cineposium to present a remote film program on our show. If you follow our Instagram account at Cineposium and or our Twitter account at Cposium, you'll be able to keep up with our programming posts published every Thursday and calls for audience questions regarding the films that we program. Our podcast episodes include programmer presentations and answers to audience questions that come in to be shared on the subsequent episode. Last week, uh, Ben Lee presented for us a program of Alex Garland's Ex Machina. He discussed some fascinating themes, including imagined aesthetics, solar punk, and transrealism, which truly enhance a rewatch of the film. We all highly recommend you check out Ben's program if you haven't had the chance to yet. Um, and next week, our scheduled programmer is another member of Cineposium, Lee Wen Wang, who is preparing a program for us in the romantic comedy genre. So be on the lookout for that next Thursday. And for today's episode, our programmer is another Cineposium member, Michael Mazakane. Hi. So yeah, without further ado, we'd like to invite Michael to present his program. First, I gotta ask you guys the question. Oh yeah, yeah, go for it. What is your favorite Godzilla movie? Um, I guess I'll go first. So I and then I fear that this may disappoint you, Mike. But I've only seen two Godzilla films. Uh, I've seen Roland Emmerich's 1999 Godzilla, and I've seen Gareth Edwards' 2014 Godzilla. Those are the only two that I've actually seen. Um, um, that being said, I'll, I'll just quickly say Gareth Edwards' film for um, is, I, I saw it somewhat recently and. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, you know, there, I heard a lot of you know discourse on it and you know mixed opinions. But um, for me, what stood out was like the plethora of like beautiful imagery tied to the emphasis of, of the scale of the kaiju and, and how inconsequential humans are in comparison, and also their distinct and, and believable sound design, which kind of for me like logically and credibly reflects each of their like personal traits. Um, and it still works within the site within their scale again. So I haven't seen the um, the sequel to that, Michael Doherty's uh, Godzilla, King of Monsters, but I, I, I do kind of want to see it. But again, I heard mixed responses for that one too. So, if you, there's actually a really good David Ehrlich piece called like Godzilla as Post-Human Cinema on the internet. Hmm. It's egotistical and David Ehrlich-esque, but it's a good read. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, my favorite Godzilla movie is. Um, and I'm not really sure if it is actually considered to be part of like the canonical run of the Godzilla franchise films. Um, it's a really old one from like 1971. It's called Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. Yes. Just it's, oh, yes. that was awesome. <laughs> Godzilla versus Hedorah, also known as that. Just oh, that's just a wild acid trip of a movie. Just jazz sequences for no reason. It's great. Yeah, it is. Um, wow, it, it's it's quite unique. Like, I I just like the concept of like, um, like a bunch of cities have been like dumping like garbage into the ocean, and then like the garbage turns into like this little alien tadpole thing that like comes and becomes a monster, and then like Godzilla has to fight it. Like, wild. Yeah, yeah. God's the the back end of the show. A period of Godzilla is when they really just decide we can do anything but like uh, oh 
I asked this question, I never thought of what mine would be. <laughs> I'm going to go with Shin Godzilla, actually. the One of the two films I'll be programming today. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Now I guess I'll just start reading my thing. So this week, I'm programming Godzilla, the original film directed by Ishihiro Honda, not to be confused with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, or Godzilla, King of Monsters, which are two American remakes and like king of the monsters the original king of the monsters it's 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 its own unique thing that is definitely not the original that's the one with raymond burr it's interesting and followed by shin godzilla directed by hideki anno and shinji higuchi um hideki anno for anyone he played jiro in the Wind Rises, and also is the guy behind Neon Genesis Evangelion, a movie about kaiju and depression. So fitting that he made a Godzilla movie. In his commentary for the original Godzilla, David Callett described the Japanese understanding to the start of the film, released November 3rd, 1954, in which a fishing boat became, becomes engulfed in a flash of light with the radio operator signaling for help before sinking beneath the ocean as a recent event recapitulated a modern fairy tale as a contemporary folk myth. That recent event was the March 1st, 1954 hydrogen bomb test by the United States of America and the fishing boat Lucky Dragon Number no. 5 that became contaminated by the fallout. The Dragon's radio operator, Aikichi Kuboyama, passed away September 23rd, 1954. The start to Shin Godzilla, the latest live-action film in the long-running franchise, released by Toho, begins similarly with the discovery of an abandoned boat in Tokyo Bay and an aquatic event triggering destruction and damage to the local Tokyo Bay aqua line. Soon after, a massive tail is seen sweeping in the ocean like a tidal wave. Shin Godzilla, released July 29, 2016, reimagines and complicates the famous kaiju in relation to Japan's most re recent nuclear incident, the meltdown at the Fukushima power plant after system failures brought on by managerial incompetence in response to the March 11, 2011 earthquake. The ability of this franchise to metaphorically interact with or reenact the contemporary moment is one of the things that has always fascinated me and informed my own thought process on studying the figure of the superhero with their intersections with history and culture. While they may have started out as an antagonist, Godzilla would slowly morph into something closer to an anthropomorphic superhero babyface that was shown as a protector of Japan more often than its monster heel destroyer. While most definitely a kaiju film, Godzilla as a franchise has shown a high degree of generic hybridity and adaptability while still having a surprising internal consistency when compared against itself. This pair of films could be, could be considered disaster movies with their emphasis on how the government acts to deal with this sudden event, the appearance of Godzilla. In this vein, Godzilla and Shin Godzilla are closely linked to readings of Japan as a nation. In an introduction to Japanese horror, Colette Bell Ballman links the cross-cutting between Imiko and, or and Ogata's relationship with the destructive scenes of Godzilla rampaging through Tokyo as a microcosm of the threat the monster poses to the nation and the ability of Japan to preserve through Imiko and Ogata's relationship. The kaiju as a threat or 
complication to romantic entanglements is a reoccurring trope throughout the franchise, except for in Shin Godzilla, which features none of the usual romantic or familial threats. In Reimagining Japan After Fukushima, Tamaki Mihik highlights one of the psychological healing elements of Shin Godzilla is the recuperation of the otaku figure and mid-level government officials as responsible for saving the state, not heterosexual romance. How Japan is portrayed in each film is very different from one another. Godzilla features a strong pro, uh, Godzilla features a stronger pro-government response. They are shown to be competent, coordinated, and active in taking on this threat. Even if they are not effective in stopping the monster, they are still given a rousing construction montage as they line up a electrical fence around Tokyo Bay. Crowds cheer on from the dock as the self-defense force fighter pilots launch rockets at the creature. Shin Godzilla is more of a satire of government bureaucracy and inefficiency that emphasizes the appearance of action from top levels rather than effective action. A similar montage of marshalling the SDF forces is had, but with a clearly ironic effect as audience have been audiences have been trained to Except a futile, uh, expect a futile effort from all the tanks and artillery pieces. The use of helicopters as the initial assault vehicle in Shin Godzilla echoes the performative but pointless use of helicopters to pour water onto the Fukushima power plant during the 311 crisis. While Shin Godzilla is critical of bureaucracy and slow government response to crisis, the upper echelons of government are never shown to be uncaring or totally incompetent just old and set in their ways as part of a larger generational critique. Both films feature surprising saviors. In Godzilla, that would be the scientist Dr. Daisuke Serizawa, who with his eye patch and scars is, a recognize, is recognizable as a filmic mad scientist, but he's really more ethically conflicted about what his device could do if, he, if used against the monster. In Shin Godzilla, Japan's salvation comes from a ragtag group of mid-level government workers, misfits who will never be promoted anyway, lone wolves, weirdos, otaku, troublemakers, outcasts, and academic heretics. Tamaki Mihik understands this group as representative of scholar Okada Toshio Toshiho's definition of otaku as advanced viewers who seek satisfaction in their ability to analyze these subcultural works deeper than the average viewer by understanding external factors such as budget, industry, trends, and production processes, but are also highly technical aspects of content creation. For Shin Godzilla, might and mad science do not save the day, but origami and a love for model trains. Despite their half-century distance and changes in production, Honda and Anno and Higuchi's movies feature strikingly similar visual representations of the military and their strikes on Godzilla. Everything is organized into basic shot-reverse-shot sequences of military might and the indefatigable body of the monster. Shin Godzilla does feature more shots of Godzilla shown in relation to this firepower, but all it does is serve to dwarf, show how minuscule and ultimately pointless such tactics are. The original Godzilla really is a special effects marvel through its use of matte painting, miniature bodysuits, and composite imaging. At the same time, 66 years later, Godzilla 
does not does look a little inelegant emerging and awkward emerging awkwardly from Tokyo Bay. That awkward quality is replicated in Shin Godzilla by the directors employing no performer Nomuro Mansai to do motion capture for the creature. Mansai's motions when mixed with Kosuke Kosuke Yamada's cinematography make for a truly alien gate to the creature that is at once awkward and hilarious and oddly hypnotic and spellbinding. The awkwardness to the, that awkwardness is to the franchise advantage, give, allowing it to show a range of possibilities that turn the creature into a multifaceted and deeply ambiguous feature. Godzilla is available to stream as part of the Criterion Channel subscription service, along with the rest of the Showa-era films, or is available to rent and or purchase on various digital retailers like Amazon or Vudu. Shin Godzilla is available to rent or purchase on Amazon or other digital, digital retailers as well. If you would like some reading, you should read Ishihiro Honda, A Life in Film from Godzilla to Kurosawa, Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men, the fantastic cinema of Isihiro Honda, and a, a critical history and filmography of Toho's Godzilla series. Thank you for that wonderful presentation, Mike. And we're very excited to watch these films. Like, I never thought about Godzilla like that. Like, I have to like be really careful with like how like the military and Godzilla kind of interact with each other, especially like with the symbolism of the like nuclear power plant. Um, accident that happened yeah i'm really excited to watch these films with this lens considering it would also be my first time visiting them um having known about the 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 character in the films all this time but haven't gotten a chance to see them i'm glad that i have a little more to watch with them so thank you for this thank you to everyone who tuned into this episode of our show if you enjoyed this please follow our podcast on anchor or spotify you can find the link to our profile page on anchor in our instagram bio And again, please follow us on Instagram at Cineposium and on Twitter at Cposium. If you have any questions related to Michael's program, feel free to DM us on either platform and we'll address them in our next show. Also, if you're interested in subscribing to our weekly e-newsletter, email us at cineposium.ucla at gmail.com. Thank you again, Mike, for preparing this remote program for us. And thank you all again for listening. Until next time, take care, everyone.